0: Glad you're here tonight for a special time of consideration and meditation in the Word, celebration of the Lord's Supper, fellowship of the sweetest kind. I invite you to open your Bibles just for a moment to John chapter 5. We're going to begin reading in verse 39 and read to the end of the chapter. Essentially, the idea that we want to notice here is that the Bible preaches one message and it's about Jesus. That's the message. He is the message. He is the Word. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. It goes on. It's it's beautiful. Jesus is the Word, and so the Word is about Him. And tonight, in our meditation and consideration, as we remember Him, we want to notice many truths about Him. Certainly not all of the truths about Him, but many truths about Him. There will be a number of people that will come up to this pulpit here. They'll read a little heading. And then they'll read a scripture passage. And as they do that, what we want to just recognize, this is who our Savior is. This is Jesus. He's the one that we worship. He's the one that we love. He's the one that has given His life for us. John chapter 5, beginning in verse 39, the Bible says this, You search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life. And these are they which testify of me but you are not willing to come to me that you might have life. I do not receive honor from men, but I know you that you do not have the love of God in you. I have come in my Father's name and you do not receive me. If another comes in his own name, him you will receive. How can you believe who receive honor from one another and do not seek the honor that comes from the only God? Do not think that I shall accuse you to the Father. There is one who accuses you, Moses in whom you trust for if you believed Moses you would believe me for he wrote about me but if you do not believe his writings how will you believe my words Jesus is the message when the Hebrew Christians were struggling when they didn't know what to do when they were persecuted God wrote them a message and the message was in his son and it was enough he is a satisfying message because he's the only message that saves let's pray together Father, we need You. We want You. We want to worship You in spirit and in truth. We pray as we meditate upon these passages of Scripture, as we sing of the glorious grace that is ours through Jesus, we pray that we would worship You in spirit and in truth, that You would produce within us by Your Spirit great thanksgiving and praise and comfort and strength. We pray that You would give us a willingness to, to communicate this message to those around us who need to hear of our savior jesus christ may we display his glory here and away from here for your glory in jesus name amen jesus is the creator for by him all things were created in heaven and on earth visible and invisible whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities all things were created through him and for him colossians chapter 1 and verse 16. Jesus is the sustainer. Long ago, at many times, and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets, but in these last days he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. Hebrews 1, 1 through 2. Jesus is the Alpha and the Omega. Behold, I am coming soon, bringing my recompense with me, to repay each one for what he has done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Revelation 22, 12 through 13. Jesus is the manifestation of God. For from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God. The only Son who is at the Father's side. He has made him known. John chapter 1, verses 16 through 18. Continuing in the idea of Jesus is the manifestation of God, he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation, Colossians 1, 15. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, Hebrews 1, verse 3. Jesus is the Redeemer, and they sang a new song, saying, Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation, and you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. Revelation 5, 9 and 10. So as you've noticed here, Jesus is at the beginning. He created everything, and he holds all things together. He's the sustainer. He's the first and the last. And if we want to see who God is, he's declared himself. He's, he's demonstrated himself. The, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. He's the manifestation of the Father. And he came, and he had a very specific purpose in his first coming, and that is to redeem us from our sin. Jesus is the Lamb of God. The next day he saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. John 1.29 Jesus is the door. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. John 10.9 Jesus is the high priest. Since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens. Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of God, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Hebrews 414 through 16. Consequently, he is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. Hebrews 7.25 Jesus is the advocate. My little children, I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. He is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. First John 2, 1 through 2. What we notice here is we're examining and considering and meditating upon our Savior Jesus is we've transitioned into his saving work from Jesus is the Redeemer, and then Jesus is the Lamb of God, that's how he redeemed us. He, he was the sacrificial Lamb, and then Jesus is the door. If you consider what the door of the sheepfold is, you have this sheepfold with say, stones all around, but there's one way that the sheep come in and out. And the shepherd would lie across this passageway when his sheep were inside to make sure that nothing could get in that was inappropriate and no one could get out that shouldn't. He was the one that would make sure that all the sheep were in the fold. He would keep them safe. You can't get in without going through the door. Jesus is the door. And then once we're inside, we're his sheep. He's our high priest which means we have access to the very throne of God through him. He's our mediator. There is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. And so because of his high priestly work, he gives us the opportunity to enter into the throne room of God. And then also part of that dealing with his sheep, he's our advocate. What does that mean? It means he he defends us. Our sin is paid for. Our, our debt is paid. His righteousness is on our account. There is no accusation that can come against His children, His sheep, that will ever cause us to have any problem with our Father because Jesus is our advocate. He's paved the way. Jesus is the shepherd. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down His life for the sheep. John 10:11. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. John 10:14 through 15. Jesus is the head of the church, and he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. Colossians 1, verse 18. Jesus is the king of kings. Then I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse. He will tread the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God, the Almighty. On his robe and on his thigh, he has a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Revelation 19, 11 to 16. After Jesus saves us, he doesn't leave us on our own. He doesn't leave us to our own devices, our own ability, our own wisdom. He's our shepherd. When you think of Jesus as shepherd, what comes to your mind? He's our leader. He protects us, that's right. He keeps us together. He goes after the one, brings them together. He wants all of the sheep in the fold, and he, and he will. He'll always have everyone in the fold. He defends us, for sure. He cares for us. In the shepherd in imagery, if we break a leg, he binds the leg. Sheep are, are amazingly incapable. If a sheep falls over on its back, did you know that it can't get up? kind of sounds funny until you realize that all the blood rushes, and then the, that's the end of sheep. Sheep no more. But the shepherd writes the sheep, puts it on his feet again. Sheep are known to get mites and things in their face. The shepherd will care for those mites, taking the insects off and anointing it with oil. Think about what the shepherd does. The imagery is, is really picturesque. It's very deep and you can go a long way with all the shepherding imagery. But think about Jesus, your shepherd. And I want you to actually think as you just ponder for a moment, you don't have to share any of this, just in your own mind. I want you to think about Jesus shepherding in your own life, the way he's led you, the way he's cared for you in your ups and downs of life, through the trials and tribulations in the great times. And I want you to think of Psalm 23. He leads us beside the still waters He leads us to green pastures. He restores our soul. There are many other concepts, but think about one of them. Through the valley of the shadow of death. The very end. He leads us to the very end. He'll lead us through the valley of the shadow of death. And I'll fear no evil. Why? Because I know he's with me. This is our shepherd. He deals with us. He doesn't leave us. That shepherding role is a leadership role. And you think about the fact that, the, that he's the head of the church. He's the savior of the body. He leads us. And there's a day coming, brothers and sisters in Christ. Maybe in 2016. He's going to come back Visibly. And he is going to demonstrate clearly his role that he already is involved in. He already has this role, but it will be a clear role. That is, he is the King of kings and Lord of lords, maybe even this year. What a Savior. Jesus is the resurrection and the life. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me... Though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? John 11, verses 25 and 26. Jesus is the bread of life. Jesus then said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. They say to him, they said to him, Sir, give us this bread always. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. But I said to you that you have seen me, and yet you do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never cast out. As we think of who Jesus is. The fact that he, he is the resurrection and He injects life. He imputes life. He's the life giver. Without Him, I have no life. He gives life. Real life. Eternal life. And what we want to note about that life is that it is a satisfying life. It satiates us. It's enough. Which is why He's called the bread of life. When we partake of Him, there's no hunger. There's no thirst. I want to draw your attention to a couple other passages. Revelation 22, in verse 17, the Bible says, And the spirit and the bride say, come. And let him who hears say, come. And let him who thirsts, come. Whoever desires, let him take the water of life freely. Life. Take a look at John chapter 4. Now you know in John chapter 4 what's happening. The Samaritan woman is there. Jesus is there. He asks For a drink, take a look at beginning in verse 6. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied from his journey, sat thus by the well. It was about the sixth hour. A woman of Samaria came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. For the disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. Then the woman of Samaria said to him, How is it that you, being a Jew, ask a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. Jesus answered and said to her, If you knew the gift of God, and who it is who says to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where then do you get this living water? Are you Of who Jesus is as the Creator and the Sustainer, the one who is the manifestation of the Father, the one who is our Redeemer, the one who is the Door, the Lamb of God, the one who is our High Priest. He is our Advocate, Jesus, the one who who is uh, provided for us, shepherding ministry, Jesus as our Head and Jesus the King. I think if we sum it up, you just say Jesus is enough. Jesus is enough. He's satisfying to a hungering soul. He's health to a weary soul. He's life. And there is no life like the life that comes from Christ. So we're celebrating the Lord's Supper today, and we're also considering uh, as we enter into 2016, we've already entered it. We've taken it by storm for the first three days. You know, it won't be long if the Lord tarries. We're going to be in 2017. How fast did 2015 go by for you? It was like a blink of an eye. Maybe lots of great things happened. Maybe a lot of difficulty came your way. But 2015 came and went. 2016 will equally go, come and go as the Lord tarries. What will satisfy you? Who will satisfy you? Our meditation upon our Savior, knowing all He is, all He's done, what He's provided, it's enough. And when we are surrendered to Him, and when we are filled with Him, and when we are satisfied or satiated by Him, The work that he does in our lives internally is amazing. And then he doesn't leave it there. The one who is satisfied with Christ, it's evidenced on the outside. There's fruitfulness. John 15 talks about that. I am the vine, you are the branches. Anyone that abides in him bears what? Much, much fruit. So abiding in him results in fruitfulness. Not just internally, but externally. This is the work that God does. His grace is wonderful. His grace is transformative. It changes us. You cannot receive God's grace and it do nothing. God's grace always does its work. I can say I don't want God's grace. That's another matter altogether. But God's grace in us does a work. And so we want to see fruitfulness. I would like to try to start a new little tradition attached to our Lord's Supper celebration. And that is to read our church covenant together when we're finished. It's a great time to do it. We've just reflected upon our Savior. We are in fellowship and harmony with the Lord and thus with one another. And so now we covenant before God and one another, our commitment to one another. Having been led, as we believe, by divine grace to receive the Lord Jesus Christ as our Savior, and by the influence of his Holy Spirit to give ourselves up to him, we do now solemnly covenant with each other that, God enabling us, we will walk together in brotherly love, that we will exercise a Christian care and watchfulness over each other, and faithfully warn, rebuke, and admonish one another, as the case shall require." That we should strive for the growth of this church in grace, knowledge, and holiness. That we will contribute cheerfully and regularly to the support of the ministry, the expenses of the church, the relief of the poor, and the evangelization of all peoples. That we will engage in family devotions unless hindered by circumstances beyond our control and bring up such children as may be under our care in the nurture and admonition of the Lord, that we will participate in each other's joy and endeavor with tenderness and sympathy to bear each other's burdens and sorrows, that we will appropriate divine grace to enable us to walk circumspectly in this world, denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, that we will endeavor by example and effort to win souls to Christ and through life amidst its many trials and joys seek to live to the glory of Him who hath called us out of darkness into His marvelous light. I like that. I want to note just a couple of things that we will appropriate divine grace. Now we can't appropriate it, right? Like we don't have control over divine grace. But the reality is there, and that's this. We will buy divine grace. We will allow God's divine grace to be appropriated in us that we would walk circumspectly. Having been led, as we believe, by divine grace. Now at the end, God enabling us. This is the church covenant. This is what we preach. This is what we preach. It's not about, hey, now go out and be holy, you, you Christian people. It's about God will enable us to be holy. He will. That's what his will is. His will is to make us holy. He's given us every grace that we need to have that happen. So here we are in this covenant, dependent, absolutely dependent. This is not a, a commitment. We say, yes, we're going to pull ourselves up by the bootstraps and do this thing saying God we need your help so we can minister to one another properly so we can live properly so we can we can minister to the poor and needy so we can bring the gospel to the world so we can encourage one another so we can call to repentance those that have fallen from the faith this is this is what we need we covenant together this is such a great thing it's my goal for us at the end of our Lord's Supper services to, to read this together as a reminder of what we're covenanting before God and one another to do together Father, we come before You thankful, thankful for Your grace, thankful for Your mercy, thankful for Jesus, thankful for the fellowship we have, thankful for the covenant that You've allowed us to make with one another and with You. We pray that You would help us by Your grace to be ministered through, to minister to one another, to bless Your holy name, to bring the gospel to the nations. Thank You so much for all You've done, how You've blessed us. Use us for your glory in Jesus' name, amen.